Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people. Some of the people that work in some of these places, many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job, this is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me See Me Podcast, and today I've got someone I'm very interested in speaking to. I've not spoken to it before. This is a new conversation. Uh, today I'm talking to uh, Claire Francis, who has got an Instagram account called Counselling with Cancer, but I'm sure it's a lot more than that. Hello, Claire. Hello, how are you? Yeah, really good. Sorry to take you inside on such a hot day. I do apologise. <laughs> I'd much rather be in the garden. I'd uh, much rather be on the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you both. But um, so tell me, tell me about uh, first. You, it, I was drawn to your Instagram account. So tell me about cancelling with cancer to begin with. Okay, thank you. Um, it's nice to hear that someone um, enjoys your Instagram account, isn't it? Because yeah. you kind of you posting every day and you're kind of waiting for the likes, don't you? And uh, and um, but it's nice to know that people are engaging with it. Um, so thank you. And um, so um, what happened for me really is in the council. How I led into counselling with cancer was um, I was made redundant from my um, from my job and um, years a few years ago now. And and, and I was thinking, what am I going to do? Because um, age isn't on my side and, um, and um, I'm in administration and, you know, the younger generation is overtaking, um, overtaking with computers and stuff. And I thought, what is, it I re- what is it I really want to do? What is it, you know, what would I do if I went back in time? And, um, and I've always wanted to be a counsellor. And um, I had counselling um, after I had my first daughter because she was um, six weeks premature and she was only four pounds. And so I had postnatal depression and I went for counselling. And as soon as I sat in that chair, I was like, I'd love to do that one day. I'd love to be able to help people. And um, so I um, dipped my toe in when I was made redundant. I, I got some money and I dipped my toe in thinking, I'll just see what it's like. And then um, it was five years later because I did part-time studies because I had to go back to work to pay the bills. And um, I um, dipped my toe in and then five years later qualified um, as a counsellor. And after, because I was working full time, I was a, um, a you know, mum and everything else that comes with it. I thought, never again. I can't, I can't face anything again. And but I didn't want to lose my skills. I wanted to gain my skills. And um, 
a I saw a application um, come up at Macmillan um, in Surrey, in um, East Surrey Hospital. They've got their own Macmillan Centre there. And I applied and I got the role. And that was three years ago. And that's where counselling, I didn't know what to call myself when I started, wanted to start an Instagram account, build a business, get a website. And it was just that it was counselling with cancer that kind of, it, it just made sense. Although it ex, counselling expands into so many, as you know, so many different areas. Mm. So that's kind of where it came from. Yeah. And I'm still at Macmillan now. Yeah. Um, so have you, have you had any personal um, uh, incidences with cancer? You know, like yeah, your lots. friends and yeah, everyone, I suppose, haven't they? Yeah, everybody. I mean, I I always hashtag. I've started to hashtag. Um, cancer changes everything forever, mm. and um, and really, I should talking to you now. Think I should change. I should do a hashtag. Cancer changes everyone forever, mm. because it affects everybody, doesn't it? It's it. You know, you've got the person that's been diagnosed, and then you've got the family, the friends, the work colleague. It it just it's a ripple effect, mm. and um, a bit like a really isn't it you know it has that ripple effect on the whole family and um and um when a friend of mine he was um Axel um god bless his soul he was 30 and he passed away with um you know with cancer and um you know 30 years of age we were all going out enjoying ourselves clubbing you know doing all those things and um and you know and it was just it was just really really sad and to watch somebody and the family go through everything that cancer brings and we lost um uh, two three years ago we lost two of our friends um within weeks of each other with breast cancer and um you know both in their early 50s and it's just it's just so sad it's horrific and you know to watch the families go through it and the pain that the patients have to go you know that they go through it's it's just it's it's psychologically changing it you know it it does for me it does leave an effect on my life Mm. you know at some point it, it it never goes away yeah, my, my dad had leukemia um, and he died. It took um, four months for him to die um, and he went into hospital. Uh, it was just before. He died. He was Scottish and he loved New Year. Yeah, um, they do. And he died like on the 30th, so they didn't quite make New Year's Eve. Oh. Um, but he, I, 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 was, I was sort of that, that four months of watching him deteriorate, I was saying this to someone recently who's, who's uh, going through it at the moment. Uh, and I said it is it is okay to want it to be over you know I was just ready for him to go ready to go you know Um, and it's it's almost like a relief it's that terrible deep sadness Mm. with mixed with this sort of relief that it's it's all over yeah yeah and I think it's important. I've got a client um, that we're going through exactly that at the moment, and and um, and I think it's really important to not feel guilty of feeling and saying it's a relief for them to be out of pain mm. and for that pressure to be on that on the family. I think it's really important to not feel that guilt. 
it, the guilt comes in appropriately, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, you get people who are going through life with a partner, it's the whole life of a partner, and then they get dementia. Um, and someone with dementia is like, really hard to live with. Mm. And frustrating, and it's it's hard work, and it's, you know, and it, you know you can get a tin of the whatever. And then on top of that, you then get this guilt that you feel resentful for your situation, but it's yeah. a natural thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's a natural thing to feel resentment towards the person you love. Yeah, and also the mood swings, you know, the mood swings like with cancer and the mood swings of mental health, um, you know, dementia, you know, they can become quite aggressive um, and can kind of turn, can't they, um, on you. And so that must be the times where you feel really frustrated with it. And then afterwards, it's just you just can do nothing but love them because it's not their fault. It's just... No. It's what's happening, isn't it? It's, it's so the emotions just go up and down. It's just a roller, it's an absolute roller coaster ride. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, how, how did you manage to cope with um, um, when your father passed away? It was a it came at a very difficult time. You started to cancel me, Claire. Yeah. <laughs> you can't help yourself, can you? You can't. You can't. You just can't, can you? But it's like you say, you like learning about people, and it's like, you know, you'll be, you'll be good. You'll be part of my CPD this month. <laughs> my continuous improvement. <laughs> uh, he, uh, it was, to be honest, it was, um, it took over everything. So I was working at the time I had a business, uh, and um, it was like work, visit dad, go home, work, visit dad, go home. And then all of a sudden, that just finished. But I was, fortunately or unfortunately, I was nine months into recovery. Um, So I was at a very delicate stage Mm -hmm. in my recovery. And I was at the stage where people jump off because Mm -hmm. it's a great reason. You know, like an addict will look at a great reason for something to drink Mm -hmm. or take drugs. Mm -hmm. So what you find is, is, oh, no, like, no wonder he's had a drink, his dad's just died, you know. Now, mm. so I found I was so lucky that I had a real strong recovery around me. I'd, you know, I'd gone into AA and I really lent on that at the time because without mm. that, I wouldn't have been able to, uh, you know, I would have very quickly run out and done what I shouldn't have done. Yeah. Um, my mum has often said since that, you know, uh, I was a rock for her. And I love that um, because... I wouldn't have been, you know, I know where I would have been. I would have been self-centred, poor me, my dad's just died, feel sorry for me, you know, and all that stuff. Instead, I was there for my sister, yeah. for my mum, um, which is important, which then gave, that's what helped me for it, you know, like yeah. being a positive uh, person around all that going on, being, stepping up, you know. Yeah. And I had a great thing with my dad uh, just before he died, he was Scottish and he was very, you know, forthright. And uh, I was looking for a bit of praise, you know. We all love a bit of praise. And I sort of, it was, I was nine months in and I said to him, he was very quiet, I'd been sitting there for a while, and he, I said to him, oh, well, at least I've stopped drinking, Dad. Uh, and then he just didn't say anything. And he said, about fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's. Uh, listen, you know what? It's, uh, it's, it's amazing what that AA. But I'm 12 years in recovery. Oh yeah, and, oh, yeah, 12 years right. in recovery. And my mum passed away from alcoholism um, yeah. when I was about, I think I was 18 months sober. Right. 
Right. And, um, and it, you know, AA was my rock. Well, AA still is my rock. And, yeah. um, and um, it, yeah, it's just amazing, isn't it? Well, you know, because it, we, do, well, we don't need an excuse to drink, do we, really? No. We just, you know, we just do it. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, and nine months and um, having such a major, I think I was nine months sober when my nan passed away from natural. She was 90. Yeah. And um, uh, I miss her every day. And, um yeah, it just I was. It was just meetings, 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 isn't it? It's just kind of to to, to get you through it and do what you need to do. I, I went to a meeting that night. He died in the he died uh, in the daytime. Yeah, the thirtieth, and I went to a meeting that night. And you know, uh, it, it it's just it, it's just such a um, a great thing to be around people who know what you're going through. You know, and it it like, it's such a support. Um, yeah. And I found that, you know, during lockdown, this is where it's been very hard for people because with the meetings stopping, and albeit they went on to Zoom, but you've not got that connection, you know. Mm. Um, and to be honest, we, we need a hug, <laughs> mm. you know. And as you know, that releases all the serotonin, like when you're hugging people and that. And when you've not mm. got that, um, it's, it was great that it was, obviously it was great that it was still there and everything, but... Uh, I think a lot of people did struggle during that time. Mm, yeah, I do believe I do believe they did. And um, um, look, do you know what? It, it wasn't, you know, for some people, it's, it wasn't ideal. Um, but I just felt that, you know, it's it was part of the, you know, the promises, and you know, you know, God's doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. And hey ho, you know, look, I've got lo- I've got cancer clients that clients are you know with cancer they had nothing mm. they had nobody you know they, their their families couldn't go and see them they couldn't you know they're standing at windows waving at people they're you know people can't go out because we're all in lockdown so they've got no connection we were so lucky that we had that connection so so lucky and you know we're going back face to face now and slowly it's yeah. easing and you know we've still got it how amazing is that you know it's beautiful yeah, yeah i um, on, a, on a, a light note my we had a wonderful experience in january we we're still in the height of lockdown and um, my daughter uh, had a baby at our, at our house because, as you uh, say, people couldn't be together. So she desperately hung on to a home birth. Yeah. She lived with us at the time, uh, so that she was allowed. So there was her and her fiancé and my wife. I weren't really supposed to be there, but I hid in the bedroom away from the <laughs> <laughs> midwives because I couldn't... You just listened, did you? <laughs> yeah. my, uh, my, uh, my other kids, because I've got five kids and four grandchildren now, uh, they sort of went off to the flat to start look after the other grandchildren. And then it was like, um, uh, it was such a wonderful experience. But she was scared to go in the hospital. Yeah. She And she had a very long uh, um, labour. So she'd have been on her own for sort of 36 hours. Oh. Going through a lot without no one there, you know. And that's just, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. That's childbirth, you know. It's, it's, so when you're going through the, you know, people have gone through the last last hours of their life mm. and you know like hats off to the wonderful NHS staff who have often been there for people and held their hand and and maybe like held up phones for people so they can you know but yeah yeah that never comes back 
So you, you, you yeah. must have seen so much with people coming to you for help since that time. Yeah, for lots of different reasons. You know, I had um, uh, students um, come to me to help them get through because they, you know, they're going to they're booking university to get away from their parents yeah. to, you know, go and have a bit of a wahey time and study, you know, or study supposed to, you know, study yeah. at the same time, and then all of a sudden they're in their bedrooms having to do their studying with their mum snagging at them, saying, have you done your work? Are you doing your schoolwork, you know, your university work? And, you know, worrying about their grades and everything. So their university experience has been completely different yeah. to what it's, you know, to what it's meant to be. And um, so I helped, um, I've helped students go through, um, go through COVID. And, and also another thing as well, working from home, it's like people feel guilty for taking a break. You know, because on the on the on your work computers you've got all these teams and stuff. Your light goes on, your light goes off. Your light goes green, your light goes red. You know, and people think because it goes amber, they're not allowed to go and have a cup of tea, or they're not allowed to have a lunch break, or you know. So it was almost like it was it's um you know almost like burnout, you know, and um and uh so they were coming to me for things like that as well. So lots of different reasons, lots and lots of different reasons in COVID. I think um, it's, it's, it's true what you said there because it's, it's, it's so imperative to have a break. And you found that, that you know, people in, in the workplace don't tend to work like nine solid hours, do they? Mm. You know, you, you have breaks, you go off and get a coffee or you have, then you have a lunch break. And all mm. But with at home, they just felt obliged to just keep sat at that, you know, solid desk and, and just go off for a pee or something you know yeah yeah it, and it's not it's not healthy at all is it no it's not you do you need to have a break and even if you um go outside your front door and just walk down the road for 15 minutes and walk back for 15 minutes that you're getting a change of scenery you're not you know like on a day like today you know you might come out and think god where i didn't see any of the sunshine you know with three days of sunshine this year and I've not seen it you know because we're because we're just too involved in 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 what's going on in our in our work and so I'll just do this I'll just do that and um yeah it's very it can be very isolating so it's really important to to have those breaks and and make a connection and um and and speak to people pick the phone up you know don't always text um, don't always email don't you know um, just pick the phone up and speak to somebody so that you're hearing another human's voice it's yeah. so important and so what's it what's it been like working with Macmillan I mean it's a sort of divine sort of path that you took there that led you straight to Macmillan there um, yeah, you know what, what's it been like working for them? It's amazing. It's it's such an amazing charity. Um, I haven't been into the centre since um, lockdown last year, March. So, um, a lot of my clients are at the moment virtual or on the telephone. Um, and um, but when you go there, it's it's such a lovely. The staff there are amazing. They're lovely, and um, they just can't do enough for you you know they're just um they, they you know the patients come in or they might pop in in between waiting for appointments or you know they, they, they'll pop in and see what Macmillan's got to offer and it's just such a kind peaceful empathic place to be 
it's just it's beautiful you know it's as beautiful as it can be and um and uh it's just an amazing charity i'm on lots of charities now um um i'm on the charity um on their listings on their resources um the pink ribbon foundation that's quite a big um charity so i'm on there and um cancer care map i'm on there um and there's another um charity called warrior kind so they started off as a very small um, mental health business and now they are opening up now they're, they're just waiting for their charity number to come through and they'll become a charity so I'm on quite quite a few um, different lists now yeah. Um, so yeah which is good so and they're all amazing you know they're all, all amazing and I think you know volunteering I, I, the reason I I was asked how long will you stay at Macmillan for by my supervisor uh, and I said I can't see me ever leaving um, even if it's one client that I have a week that's one client I'm helping and you're volunteering and you're giving back which is part of our program is it giving back yes. and you know it's like you're giving back to the community yeah. and um, so, so they've got me as long as they'll as long as they want me <laughs> it's back to me with you know we became a, a fully registered charity in 2019 I think but there was five years before that you know um and uh, it's it's something that I do all the time now. But if that all stopped tomorrow, I still would be doing that. You know, yeah. I, you know, like I say to people, they, you know, I do, whatever happens, I'm do, I'm doing this for the I'm doing eight bucks homeless risk tonight because I meet so many people, and it's the way I can send a message a lot of the time is because just by cutting someone's hair and we get chatting. I mean, I don't preach to them, but I get chatting. And yeah. They say, "Why'd you do it?" I say, "Well, oh, you know." Yeah, recovery, and I like it makes me feel better. And, and so many times I connect on that level, and we've got so much in common that empathy comes through, and the connections are, are, are amazing. I'm never going to give that up. And I, yeah, I knew how much it meant to me when we first went into lockdown, and it was taken away from me. Mm. We couldn't go out and do what we do. Mm. And, uh, it, I was, I struggled a lot, really did struggle a lot. And did you? Yeah, we've been going back out. I feel myself again now. <laughs> oh, so that's interesting, isn't it? That you felt that you felt that way. That you were kind of, you know, that it, 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 when you think about it, yeah, because you can't go on the streets and cut, can you? Have you got a, sp- a certain sp- a certain space that you go to, or do you just go around London? Well, it all began in Romford, right? So okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, because you've got a London accent, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I live in uh, uh, Hornchurch. Okay. So, but my, I used to go to, what it was, I was doing, so I, I, was, I was probably about halfway through, so I was about seven years in uh, recovery, and I used to go to the Salvation Army on a Monday, and we used to do like talks to um, some of the guys there. Yeah. Um, and what we'd do is just sort of, uh, do, you know, do mentoring and buddying up and all that sort of thing and chatting. And I saw a guy in America do it. So then that, that led me to think, oh, next week I'll take me scissors. And oh, I, wow. Yeah, that's all it was. And I took my scissors the following week, done some haircuts, and I just fell in love with hairdressing again because it was pure. There was no money. There was no business. There was no VAT. There was just pure hairdressing. Which is it's giving me goosebumps. Yeah. yeah, how lovely. It's what you go into, isn't it? You yeah. Know, you start off, you just purely go into that, and then it gets complicated. And, and you know, it was so wonderful. And I said, I'm, I'm coming back. And quickly, um, I did put a couple of pictures on Facebook, 
And then I, I friend the hairdressers were friends said, oh, "We kind of come and help you." And then the Tom Toms went out for the old um, uh, Salvation Army side Ilford, saying, "Oh, will you come to us?" And you know, they soon know there's something. Wow. Uh, and it grew from there. And now we've got uh, 67 sites across, well, before lockdown, we had 67 sites across the whole of the UK. Um, we got up to 600 volunteers and we've so far given over 40,000 haircuts. So that's all stemmed from that moment, you know. Um, but what we do, we do work in places like the Salvation I mean, unfortunately, Salvation Army has never reopened, um, but we've got... Some that haven't, but we've got new ones that we've started. Mm. And they're always in a day centre or a Sunday army or a, just wherever people are being cared for. Um, yeah. When they go to eat or chat yeah. or some food or some clothes, we go there and we just rock up once a month. But the important thing is we make sure it's uh, consistent. So yeah. they know that we're a regular feature. They can rely on us. And some people, I've, I've been cutting their hair six or seven years since I started. Well, unfortunately, they're not out of their circumstance, but yeah, you know, and I, it, it, it's a wonderful thing that they can get to know us and trust us. Um, but also, it's um, it's something that's rep, you know replicable. So now we're we're out and open again. We can get out there and um, uh, we're, we're we're regrowing. By the end of the year, we'll be back to where we were at the beginning. Yeah, and and then we can move forward. You know, yeah. Next year. Yeah, maybe um, I'm just because I'm just thinking like I could, you know, obviously share some of your posts and stuff. But also I'm kind of just thinking that um, when we were in COVID, my daughter's a hairdresser. All right. And um, she um, and um, when we were in COVID in that first really strong lockdown and people couldn't get their haircuts all they wanted to do was have their haircut because their fringe is getting too long or, you know, and I know... The, the homeless there it could be years worth but for general public they're, they're not used to that a lot of them are used to I mean not everyone gets a haircut every six weeks but a lot of them are used to kind of being able to groom themselves aren't they and get them make themselves look nice and whatever and I found that um talking to people um they were just like especially on zoom and stuff you're at a meeting at work and stuff they're just like I just want to get my hair cut I just want to get and I used to think so I used to like you know you could I don't know if you remember but um or if you went on it even but if you went on to um the um gov.uk covid you could send Boris a message and I used to send Boris the message saying, please, can you just let people get their haircuts? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because I think it improved people's mental health Definitely. when they had their hair, their haircut. They feel, you feel like a completely different person, don't you? And, and I really do believe that that had a strong impact yeah. on people's mental health. I don't know if, if you agree or not. Definitely. And um, we've done a lot of thought about it and a few people have come up with and. Um, it's not my idea, but I forget who said it to me, but it makes such sense. Why it's so effective in that way is that we touch. Yeah, it's okay. It's not services that lay hands on people. Yeah. You know, so anything where you, you touch, you instantly connect and you break down that communication barrier. Yeah. Everyone offloads to the hairdresser. They do, yeah. My, my daughter comes yeah. home, she doesn't want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> no, and then you get burnout. You come home, yeah, and that's the thing. You're like, oh, yeah, you do. You don't talk to your wife. Doesn't get a word out of me, which is quite pleased about. Uh, but it, you know, it definitely 
it's that, and it's like anything. Once something's taken away, you realise the value of it. Yeah. And that's what happened with hairdressing. And that's yeah. what, realistically, people will forget fairly quickly because there'll still be <laughs> everything like that short-lived. Because yeah. as a human being, we don't tend to appreciate what we've got till it's gone. And yeah. then we quickly don't appreciate it when we've got it back again. You know, yeah. it's yeah. A, a flaws, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, uh, it's, it's very interesting, though, that the effect it did have on people. I've done a lot of work with the British Beauty Council, and they've they done some astonishing work. And they, Millie Kendall, who's the head of British Beauty Council, she lobbied the government a lot about getting us open again. Yeah. It wasn't the only one contacting Boris. Hey, <laughs> yeah. I just got any haircuts yet? Yeah. <laughs> Can we have a haircut? <laughs> and he definitely needs one, doesn't he? Bless him. <laughs> my, I'll tell you a story. One of my um, friends, um, I, I won't say who, what, what, what store it was, but um, works for a big, you know, company. And um, Boris went in and um, said, I need a haircut. Well, because she was the manageress of the salon, they went, you've got to cut his, cut his hair. And this is when he was Lord Mayor. Lord Mayor this is when he was Mayor of London. And um, anyway, she, she sent a message and said, you're not going to believe I've just beat, cut Boris Johnson's hair. And um, I was like, oh, my God. And then the next day it was in the newspaper, Boris has had a haircut. So this is, goes back quite a while. It's not yeah. just now. He's always needed a haircut, isn't he? Yeah. I think, bless him. <laughs> and I think, I think that's his trademark. Yeah. His way, he, he must come out. That's his personality. He made him look really uh, – he probably come out looking like me and then he went straight out and done all of that because he, this buffoon image he's got – yeah, he don't have to have his hair sticking out like that. It's his trademark. I think it's part of his, um, uh, you know, that inner child, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And um, and uh, that maybe you know maybe he needs to come and see me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he needs. Perhaps he needs the two of us. We yeah, I was just going to say he needs the two of us. Yeah, <laughs> I can do the outside of his head, and you can do the inside. The inside. <laughs> oh God! Imagine trying to get into this inside his head. <laughs> oh dear. Bad enough in my own. I don't want to be anyone else's head. That's totally, <laughs> totally, totally, absolutely, hundred percent. So, I didn't know this about you, so you know we really have got that in common, which I didn't know. But so where you know how does. How does that help you, the work you're doing? You know, like it, 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 must, it must do something for you, helping. Um, what, the, what, the counselling and the, yeah. the counselling of cancer or the... or the yeah, um, cancer, how do, yeah. How does that help you? Cancer. Do you know what? I think when you do this kind of work, um, I don't know how you feel. I mean, I can hear gratitude and... You know, when when you talk about what you're what you're doing, I just, you know, for me, I just feel so um, rewarded. That's the word I want to use. I feel so rewarded um, that I can help somebody on their journey of their lives, and because some, um, you know, I I get mums who um, have lost children, um, not younger children, but adult children. Um, I've had daughters that have lost their mums. Um, I've had um, clients that are terminally ill um, and suddenly it goes silent. Um, you know, all those things. But 
I just feel that I've had that privilege to help somebody through some part of their life and to help them have a, you know, a better freeing life. Um, and hopefully they've managed to deal with some of the things that was, you know, that was bothering them. Because a lot of the time um, when um, clients come to me, the catalyst is the cancer, but there's so much else going on around it, as we know. And um, and it and for me that that's the reason that they've come to me. But when they talk about it, it's like their their families how they're going to cope. Their anniversaries are coming up. They've got appointments coming up that they're feeling, um, you know, they're worried. They're getting anxious about, you know their three-year appointment has it come back what's it doing you know all those kind of things there's so much to it and to be able to walk and I I often say to my clients my supervisor said to me how do you walk with a client though you're you're doing it virtually but I suppose that's part of program as well isn't it it's like you know it's it's um you know I'm walking with you so you know I'm going to hold you through this week until I speak to you next week. So when you're at that appointment, just remember that I'm, I'm kind of, I'm there with you. I'm holding you. You're not alone when you're going, because they can't go into appointments when they're, when they're, um, when we're in COVID, they can't take people with them, their wives or their husbands sitting in the, in the, or some of them are single. They haven't got families, you know, they're just everyday people. So I find that, um, um, and one one client in particular, she said to me that she wrote to her company, and they were choosing a charity to um, that they could fund for that year, and um, and through sponsorship and various different things. And she said, through me being so kind and empathic with her, um, and walking with her through her journey, um, she. Gave, she gave a story about me and her and in her, you know, to her company. And they decided to choose Macmillan. It's just, she was in Macmillan. And um, they decided to choose Macmillan as their charity of choice for this year. And you hear stories like that. And I'm just so grateful that, you know, so it's not, we're, we're, we're also giving back to the charity as well. It's kind of, it's a bigger picture, isn't it? It's, it's such a bigger picture out there. And it's just so rewarding. So for me, that's what I get rewards. Yeah. And that's, a, I, I can wholly agree with that because it's just, it's, you know, it's mirrored in me, the same thing. Uh, yeah. And it's just gratitude. And yeah. it all comes on top. And I feel like everything's going wrong. And I've had some big major stuff happen the last couple of years. And then I go out, I meet some people who have got nothing almost no future to a degree and then they act like they've got everything and then I mm. think who am I what, what how can I worry about my stuff when there's people facing such adversity with a smile yeah and yeah absolutely 100% and that's why I, I always say to people this is the thing of volunteering you know all we ask of our volunteers is half a day once a month yeah and I think and I value that. I value that incredibly that they give us that half a day once a month. But if someone hasn't got half a day once a month, I think they need to question their compass, you know, 
like mm. the balance in their life because mm. you, I think the ones who haven't got that probably do need it more than anyone um, and, and would really benefit from it. <laughs> because volunteering you just you can you just can't and underestimate the yeah. feeling that it gives you to help somebody to help somebody else and I just I wonder whether um I was just thinking while you were talking there like homeless people how do they cope when they get cancer I've I've met them I've met I've, wow. met, I've met them and there are there are things and there are and there again, there's like good centres and there's yeah. not so good centres. So some yeah. have a lot of support, offer a lot of support. Uh, some aren't able to offer much. Yeah. Uh, some slip through the net. Some, you know, like we, we, we've done a lot of work with Samaritans. Mm. So, you know, they're a great open platform for people to, to go to as well. Mm. Um, we've done a lot of, we worked with their Listen campaign as well. Mm. Because it's uh, they picked us because of the the chatting, you know, what having a haircut. But um, yeah, they, it's it's hard. I mean, I've had people come in to a session, and you know, they come in on a wheelchair, and then sort of, then they won't be helped. <laughs> tip himself up, drag himself to the chair, get him on the, you know. And you think it's bad enough to be homeless in the freezing cold. Mm. But in that situation, you know. Someone, mm. you know, we've got people, we've got a wonderful project in Manchester and there was a, when she was doing, we'd done some street work there and there was this guy who took it on himself to protect our, my lady to go round <laughs> and he had no legs. Oh, he no, I see. He wheelchair, and he's going round making sure that no one gave her any hassle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like, you just think this brave, this, this wonderful humanity out there. yeah. Yeah, absolutely it's an example to all of us isn't it really yeah yeah i if i'm out if i'm out shopping when we're allowed out if i'm if i'm out shopping and i see um a homeless person i always go and get them something whether it be a mcdonald's coffee or yeah. a muffin to give them a bit of energy yeah. or if it's cold i'll get them noodles yeah. and you know i'll always take something to, to at least one because you got you know you can't do do them all but sadly yeah. um but um I will I will always you know I, I drag my daughter say come on you know they're older now they're 20 22 and 26 I'm like oh, come wow. on we've got to go to McDonald's let's go and get something to eat for them and they're so used to me doing it now but I never I never really I mean I'm telling you that but I don't really kind of all that's on podcasts now but I don't generally broadcast that I do you know I do that I just do that because I just you know just seem to have a warm cup of tea yeah you know yeah. it must be something for them you know I think as well acknowledging you know it's more than the tea it's the fact that someone another human being has acknowledged your existence yeah. The next thing we find is people say that they just feel invisible. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're, you know, that people just don't even see them. And, yeah. And for someone, it's not the tea itself, it's the ego. Yeah, I, that acknowledgement. I, yeah. I always say, you okay? And, yeah, you know, yeah. just try and yeah. have a little bit of voice contact. But some of them are so frightened, aren't they? Because they yeah. don't know what you're coming towards them for. You know, they just, no. you know, they're a bit, bit, you know, I notice that I'm very wary. I always try and put the cup out first so that they can see I'm offering something, yeah. you know. <laughs> but it's unfortunate, they get, you know, they get attacked a lot. You know, there's uh, it's a bit mm. of Or I think I said to a guy once, it comes to see a lot of you guys like, sleeping around in the daytime. He goes, well, it's not safe at night. 
Oh, so that's why they sleep. See, I've learned something today. Yeah. So that's why they're up and around at night and they're sleeping oh, the day. Like, yes, they're in target in a doorway at night. You know, there's sort of people get they come out of club clubs, club <laughs> clubs, pubs, pubs, and clubs. clubs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I ain't been one for a while. Yeah, <laughs> pubs. <laughs> <laughs> they come out and uh, yeah, give them a kicking. You know, like it's almost like a sport. You know, so um, yeah, sometimes they don't feel safe. Uh, and then when they're in the daytime, when it's light, then everyone's about, there's a lot more people about. They just feel, it's not just when they can get their head down. That's, that was someone's opinion and it made sense to me once you said it. But it does make perfect sense, doesn't it? Because I think that why they sleep in the daytime, you know, I do think that as well. And you just, because you just take it again for granted that day and night, you, night you go to bed, yeah. I've got a roof over my head and in the morning I get up and work. You just yeah. take it for granted, don't you? Well, I, to finish, uh, what what's your future plans for for your work and, and, and what you do? So, um, I just want to continue doing what I'm doing and um, see where the path takes me. Really, and um, you know, it's it's growing and. Um, um, it, you know it's out there and just try and help as many people as I you know as I possibly can I think when you're in this line of work um there has to be that kind of aspect somewhere you know that being that people's person and that you know that caring um person and <clears throat> I don't know if you feel the same way I just learn so much yeah. I mean, I've learned so much of you already today, you know, and it's kind of like, it, you know, you learn so much, don't you, by talking to people and I get my energy off of people as well. And um, I just, you're forever learning. You can, in, in counselling, there's always something to read or to listen to or, you know, hear different people's points of view um, to help you become, for me to enable to be the best, I'd like to be the best counsellor that I can be in a situation that I'm given. Yeah. We can't do more than that, can you? No, no. You just try your best. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been lovely talking to you. I, I'll, um, when we do it, I'll obviously put the links to your Instagram and all that stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, continue doing what you're doing. And, um, Same to you. you. Know, it's been really nice talking to you and please keep in touch. Yeah, do, definitely. And I, I'm a Londoner and um, I was born in um, South London in Wandsworth. So it's really nice to hear a London voice <laughs> through the screen. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll be, uh, we'll be out to meet up at some point. Hopefully, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll come, I'll come and track you down. I'll stalk yeah, you. No problem. <laughs> All right, take care. Enjoy your family. Yeah. Okay, Thank take you. care. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realized, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.